You are listening to Let's Talk Trio on podcast. Keep up with the latest episodes by downloading the Podbean app or stream episodes via our social media accounts. Search for Let's Talk Trio on Facebook or Instagram. This episode is sponsored by Student Access. Student Access, the leader in Trio software. Student Access is an online database solution that allows Trio programs to track their students' information, connect with students by text messages, streamline the APR, and work from anywhere, all online, with automatic updates for changes from the Department of Education. Their technical support team includes former Trio staff and has over 50 years of combined experience working with Trio. Make it easier to focus on your priority, the students. For more information and to request a free demo, visit their website at www.studentaccess.com or call them toll-free at 1-800-801-1232. That website again is www.studentaccess.com or 1-800-801-1232. Be sure to share your favorite episodes on your social media by tapping that share button. This is a great way to support the podcast. Now here's your host, Juan Rivas. Thank you, Emilia, for that wonderful introduction. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Trio. I am your host, Juan Rivas. In this episode, we have Kimberly Gomez, an alum of the Trio Upward Bound Math Science Program at Pasadena City College. Kimberly's on the podcast to talk about her Trio experience her journey through education, and how she is giving back to a community she feels needs the most attention. So coming up in just a bit, Kimberly Gomez. I really enjoyed listening to Kimberly's story uh, on the podcast. She really expanded on her experience in the TRIO programs uh, and uh, the type of journey that she had to go through uh, to experience education. And uh, you'll find a lot of similarities for those who are students um, maybe you experienced this when you were in your trio program. Um, so yeah, it was a really great story to hear. And uh, yeah, can't wait for y'all to listen. I'd like to take a second to thank our sponsors, Angelica Villalpando, Rosario O'Reilly, and Student Access. Thank you all so much for continuing to support the podcast. You too can be a sponsor of the podcast. Head on over to Patreon, search for Let's Talk Trio, select your patron level. We have... A variety of patron levels. Our starting one starts at a dollar a month. A dollar a month goes a long way in supporting this podcast. We also have advertising space available. If you want to advertise on this podcast, go over to Patreon, select your corporate level, and we will run your ad on this podcast for $100 a month. Contact us for details. Again, such a great episode with Kimberly Gomez. I can't wait for you all to listen to this episode. So without any further delay, please enjoy this episode. Four, three, two, one. Hi, Trio Nation. My guest on the Let's Talk Trio podcast is a first-year persistence specialist with California Student Opportunity and Access Program within the Los Angeles Education Consortium, also known as CalSOAP LA. She is an alum of the Trio Upward Bound Math Science Program at Pasadena City College. She earned a bachelor's degree in psychology from California State University, Northridge, and is currently working on her master's of education, educational counseling from the University of Southern California. Her hobbies interests include watching movies, 
playing with her dogs, painting, and spending time with family. She was presented the MSUB and SSS scholarship recipient. And I just want to welcome Kimberly Gomez to the Let's Talk Trio podcast. Kimberly, welcome. Hi, thank you so much, Juan, and the Trio podcast and Trio families all out there for having me here with you all today. We are so glad you're here. We kind of met randomly on Instagram. I just remember reading that you were a Trio alum and that you were assisting uh, first year college students uh, for that transition. So that must be a lot of work. Yeah, um, the power of social media, especially in COVID time. So I was really excited to follow the Trio podcast on Instagram as well. And um, actually, in person, I feel like we had much, like so much work, so much, you know, standing, walking around workshops. And it's actually been slower than I thought online. I still get, um, you know, I still have like the certain amount of students I work with, but um, at least Calso Ballet, we did notice our workshops. There there hasn't been as many participants as they're used to in person. Mm -hmm. So that was a little bit discouraging, but also realizing that Zoom fatigue is real. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're we're moving forward. (laughs) Right. Uh, And we'll get to talk more about your job uh, a little bit later in the podcast, but uh, I'm just excited to have you. Uh, You're my second or third person uh, from Los Angeles that I got that I'm getting to talk to. So how are you and how are things in Los Angeles? Yeah, so um, I'm from the city of El Monte and it's within L.A. County and I'm doing good. I did get I did get sick from COVID in December and yeah it was during it was the week of my finals so it was my first semester as a grad student I was so sick and I remember I was just so devastated um but like getting over that moving forward I just got my second dose of the vaccine yesterday so I feel um I think health-wise I just feel so much better and um, things in LA County, I'm not sure if you've heard or if you've kept up with the news, but um, mm-hmm. they were making announcements saying that they're um, planning to reopen everything June 15. So oh, wow. um, today is opening day for the LA Dodgers. Go Dodgers. Go Dodgers. And they did. Um, they were able to have some people in the crowd in person. So slowly moving forward and, and opening things up. Oh, that's great to hear. Uh, And I was just about to ask you, it looks like the pandemic is closing out, uh, hopefully, right, with the the vaccines rolling out and almost every eligible American now uh, able to take the vaccines. What will you take away from what's been a chaotic 2020 and a new 2021? Um, Something I'm I would take away, and I feel like it reflects with the movie Soul from Disney, if if you want. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it's, I remember I used to think for myself, the meaning of life, like my purpose was help others, um, help others, help others. But this chaotic 2020 and 2021 showed me that I think now my purpose has changed and my purpose is to live every day like freely because I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow I don't know what's going to happen to my family so now my purpose is to be genuinely happy to like text my mom every day I used to text her here and there because I don't live with her anymore so Mm -hmm. I'm I just realized I it's just 
my purpose is just to be genuinely happy and enjoy things every day. Like who cares what's going to happen next week as long as we're good today. Um, Because I was very like nitpicky with planning. Like I had Mm -hmm. to plan every second of my life. And now I'm like, all right, let's go for a hike or let's all like, (laughs) it's just different. It's just right. (laughs) So spontaneity seems to have been kind of like now you're like really embracing that part and saying, let's be spontaneous let's cherish every moment let's go with every second possible to live life to the fullest yes yes that's wonderful that's wonderful um during this uh quarantine what did you learn about yourself what what's what are the things that that really popped out about you um i am not a bad cook um that's good that's good to learn yeah i was like i never really cooked before that um and like before I I used to live with my mom she always cooked I moved in with um, my boyfriend and his parents his mom always cooked and I was like I need to start you know cooking and learning like how to take care of myself like basic skills so I learned that I am not a bad cook and I really like going outside um Once, you know, you, we've been quarantined for so many months, so so much like social distancing, we're, we're opening up until June, I miss the outside. So I, I learned I do like the outdoors. So let's talk a little bit about that skill that you picked up. You picked up cooking, it sounds like. (laughs) Yeah. What what did you learn how to cook or what some of the culinary kind of uh, things that you experimented with? Um, So my parents are from the Mexican descent. So I learned a lot of Mexican dishes. I would call my mom and learn how to make arroz con leche. I learned how to make um, enchiladas and um, sopa de fideo. Like, um, I don't really know how to translate any of these dishes. So I'm sorry. Um, And another thing I learned how to make were costillas de puerco. Um, So it's like, pork ribs I think and and like green salsa so they were those are like my top five dishes that I just make over and over um but I I was able to finally like I can do it without calling my mom or watching a YouTube video yeah oh my god so you got my mouth drooling a little bit because um I'm from Mexican descent too and that just spoke to my heart and I'm like now I'm really hungry um I've I've had to kind of learn how to cook a little bit. I've had to learn how to pick up some skills here and there, but I wish I was a little bit more proficient in, in the culinary area. But uh, yeah, <laughs> thank you so much for sharing with us now. And you said earlier that you enjoyed uh, going outdoors more often and doing that. But now that things are opening up, um, what are you looking forward to the most? So I... A hobby that my boyfriend and I loved to do was we loved to go to the movie theater. That was something we'd go like two, three times a month. That mm-hmm. was like our go-to. So um, the movie theaters just opened up um, last week, I think, or two weeks ago over here in LA County. So that's something that we were most looking forward to. Um, another thing would be feeling safe around my family, like feeling comfortable visiting my parents since I don't live with them. So also, um, 
I think also going to the beach, going to the park. Um, I feel like I watched this one time, I watched this Criminal Minds episode where there was like an airborne like illness in Criminal Minds and mm -hmm. that just stuck in my head. So I really avoided parks for a long time because I thought, what if someone sneezes and then I'm walking by and um, yeah. so I'm excited for that. Oh, that's good. Very good. I'm glad. Um, you talked a little bit about earlier uh, having to adjust to virtual, a virtual work environment. Um, what else have you had to kind of adjust? Uh, and can you talk to us about that experience? Yeah, definitely. So adjusting to a virtual work environment at first was exciting um, because at first we thought, oh, it's just two, you know, two weeks to a month. So I thought, cool, like I can be in my pajamas and I can hang out and still work. Um, but it was a big adjustment at the end because I ended up, um, I, I used to only work 20 hours with Calso Ballet. And over the summer, starting July, they boosted me up to 25 hours. And then I got a second part-time in August, which was an additional 20 hours. Mm -hmm. So I am working 45 hours virtually. Mm -hmm. And um, I started my grad program virtually also in August. So the wow. adjustment was pretty difficult, especially because I would consider myself a very social person, a very outgoing person. I love to interact with individuals. So I think also an, um, another difficulty of mine was um, like entering data. I had to call like call coworkers or call like supervisors and ask them like for tips or how mm -hmm. do I do this? I utilize FaceTime a lot. And that's when I also started utilizing Instagram as that social media platform for myself. Um, because I realized a lot of the students that are coming in now are really interested in social media and that's how they access a lot of their information. Right. Right. And definitely uh, adjusting to an, a virtual environment brings a whole set of either successes, success stories or challenges. Right. And we'll get to talk to that more, more about that as we talk about your, your position with CalSoap. Uh, but I want us to now kind of take it back. These were very, my, very, uh, sorry, these were very much like warm up questions. So now we want to get to know you a little bit more. Can you take us to the beginning of your oranges, your origin, origin story? And what was your childhood like growing up? Definitely. Thank you for asking. Um, so my childhood growing up, I would say, was really fun. I was always with my mom and my little brother. Um, my dad had to work a lot growing up. So we went to the park a lot. Um, we walked everywhere. And I just remember having tea parties with my mom. And um, I learned English by watching um, TV shows on PBS Kids, because my mom thought that was like the most educational program there was. So um, my mom really wanted me to learn English so I wouldn't be behind when I entered kindergarten. Um, mm. So I do remember a lot of PBS kids. That was my life. Wow. So it sounds like, right, kind of like the traditional background of a lot of students that are growing up, just kind of uh, PBS kids. I, I certainly remember that. I remember. Uh, so what was your like favorite TV show then growing up? Sorry, this is not on our, on our script, but I just want to throw that one out there. Yeah. Um, my favorite one or... 
I would say my top three would be Maya and Miguel because I loved hearing them speak Spanish here and there. Yeah. I thought that was so awesome. Mm-hmm. And then Cyber Chase because everything was like in a different world. Oh, and nice. lastly, I would say it would be um, Caillou because I loved the sibling relationship between Caillou and his little sister. I saw that as myself and my little brother. Oh, that's nice. That's awesome. Um, so what were you like as a child? What would your parents say about you growing up? Um, I think my parents would say that I was always very outgoing and very social. My mom told me that I would never cry. So like anyone could talk to me or like pick me up and I wouldn't cry. But then also that was very dangerous (laughs) as a child. (laughs) Dangerous. Expand on that. What what do you mean by that? Because like if people like would pick me up or say, oh, she's so beautiful and like talk to me and touch me. I'm like, what if a stranger just came up and took me? I wouldn't cry. I just like, like, (laughs) so it's dangerous. But my mom said I was always um, just very outgoing and very social. Right on. Um, What do you remember about elementary school? Did you enjoy it? Did you, did you like that aspect of, or that portion of your childhood? Mm-hmm. I would say I, I always liked school. Um, elementary school, um, I'd like to highlight my fifth grade year at elementary school because that was the year that I felt like I was valued um, because my teacher at that time, his name was Mr. Estramera. Mm-hmm. He was, I don't he was just amazing. Um, he made everyone feel very special. Like I didn't feel like I was just any student from El Monte. Like for Christmas, he he made us all stockings. He got us leapfrogs, which are very expensive for the community we, we live we live in. Yeah. Um, we played basketball every Friday and um, I remember I was student of the month and he would give us these big old plaques. Like, so he, now I, looking back, I realized he spent a lot of additional like money and additional finances from his own pocket because yeah. the district was not giving everyone leapfrogs. Right. Right. And I remember him like telling telling me like that he believes in me and he knows that I'm going to do good. And I remember he was a UCLA alum. So I was like, I'm going to go to UCLA because Mr. Shamara went to UCLA. Not my USC, but. (laughs) (laughs) It's still California though. It's still California. I I still made it into higher education. So that's what uh, matters. I feel like he really uh, made me, made me feel like, like I belonged in education, just overall. Very cool. Very, very cool. Um, and what about that transition from uh, from going to elementary and then into middle school? Uh, was it a different experience for you? What was that like? Yeah, so that was a different experience. And I feel like I got excited in the hype of friends. I, um, I, I straight away, like I took my first advanced class in sixth grade. It was like advanced English and advanced science. Okay. So that was my first time, like realizing I was an advanced student. I was like, wow. And I didn't do good. I got a C in both classes. So that really like, so then I was like, "Eh, I don't think I'm advanced. So middle school, I was really like all about my friends 
are we hanging out after school? <laughs> Lushies. Um, do you do you like? Does my friends want to come over? Let's have sleepovers. So middle school was a different experience because I felt like I straight away from like let me just think about school to like how many friends do I have? And I mm -hmm. think that came in the just in that like popularity mindset, like I want to sure. have as many friends as I can. I want to be popular. Like, um, but like my eighth grade year, I do remember like I promoted with high honors and I had a 4.0. So <laughs> I was like, I don't know. From what I remember, I was not trying. I was <laughs> so it went all the way back. So then freshman year, um, if, um in high school i was in my first advanced english class i was like oh no all over again yeah advanced <laughs> so that's super interesting um you're you're making a difference here with uh elementary and and middle school you said middle school didn't feel like you were that engaged but in elementary certainly very engaged very academically focused um talk to us about your transition to high school so that transition to high school, my freshman year, I was still all about that friend's mindset um, until um, I joined Upper Bound, which I'll talk about more later. Mm -hmm. But in high school, I, I was not an athlete. I did not like sports. I did not like running. I hated that. Every Friday we had to run a mile. That was the worst. Um, so I decided if I'm not going to be involved in sports, then I'm going to be involved in as many clubs as I can. So I was in the Asian American club, in the Folklorico club, Red mm -hmm. Cross. Um, and I, I was even in the orchestra for about two to three years. Oh, wow. And I learned how to play the viola. I remember everyone would, would say like, oh, it's a violin. I'd get mad all the time. No, it's a viola. <laughs> There's a difference. <laughs> so, so briefly for the audience, what is the difference between a violin and a viola? What, I mean, I, I'm a layperson. I would, I would say they both look the same. Yeah. So the viola is just a little bit bigger. I'm not, I'm not a professional. I don't 100% know, but I, I do know that the violin has a higher pitch and the viola has a lower pitch. So mm. the viola and the cello, when you're playing in an orchestra, viola and the cello usually play at the same time. Um, oh. So violas are more associated with the with like deeper sounds mm. and cello. So it was a little bit hard explaining it, yeah. um, especially in high school, because I I did not know anything about instruments, but I knew that I wanted to try it. Definitely. Um, and I really liked it up to the point that I joined um, the symphony at Pasadena City College. So I kept going with it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for educating us on, on those matters. So it was is an excellent segue to this next question. What were your favorite subject or subjects uh, during your time in school? Yeah, my favorite subjects always growing up, um, even up till high school was English. Um, my mom and I always thought that I was going to be an author. I hope to still someday be an author. Um, and then orchestra class, like that was my favorite subject. I love looking forward to orchestra. Um, I'm not sure if it's considered a subject, but music. <laughs> music. Absolutely. Yeah. Music. Mm -hmm. uh, what did you enjoy most about it? Is it the performance part, the learning part? Um, 
one or both? What, what, what did you really like gravitate toward music? What, what was that? Mm-hmm. Um, I think what I gravitated more towards was that ending. How do I say it? Like the ending sound. So at the beginning, we were all like, I would, I want to say only two out of the whole um, students in orchestra ever played before. Mm-hmm. So at first, mm-hmm. We really sucked because we did not know right. what we were doing. We were learning how to read. We were learning how to play. So my favorite part was towards the end of the year when we sounded like a like a real team. Like wow. everything just harmonized. And we did do some performances. And um, for none of us having experience, it was really awesome going to Six Flags and playing in front of like the judges and I remember we got second place and we were just so ecstatic about that because we had never played before so I think my favorite was just listening to our progress that's awesome and I think it almost translates to your current career which again we'll get to here a little bit later but um, measuring that progress and being in music and how you get to see that growth uh, definitely speaks to a lot of the things that you're already involved in. So that's amazing. Um, what aspect of school was challenging and where did you find the most success? Mm-hmm. Um, math was always very challenging for myself. Um, I did have to take algebra one twice in high school and that really brought, um, that really brought my confidence down. So what I did utilize was the math and science of Brown tutor um, and he really helped me out. I ended up passing algebra one finally um, with a B, which was amazing because I never gotten a B in math before. And um, my, like where I found most success was um, English. I was just always passionate about writing. Mm. I would rather write an essay than take a test anytime. <laughs> so then we could expect you to write like novels instead of having to take like a one sheet math test. I hope so. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Right on. Um, In high school, were you thinking about colleges at all around this time or were were colleges kind of like a kind of in the back burner? What what was that process like for you? I think because I started the math and science separate bomb program so early on, I was a freshman. Mm -hmm. Um, I was thinking about colleges because that's like all MSA would talk about. That's mm-hmm. all they were preparing us for. So I was thinking about colleges early on. Wow. Was UCLA, UCLA different, definitely in the mix? It, it wasn't actually because oh. at the time, um, like I said, friends, it was all about friends freshman year. <laughs> True. So I was not thinking about like high like high state colleges like that I was like maybe I'll go to like Cal State LA like a local Cal State within the hour um but I wasn't thinking so highly of myself Mm, okay so peers definitely influenced your decision of what colleges you would you were considering at that point yeah right on so here's where we get kind of to the meat of our of the podcast is how did you discover the trio program that that you joined yeah, so I listened to the first episode of this podcast, which was your episode, Juan. And oh, I, thank you. I found it so interesting because I discovered the TRIO program when um, someone came to speak to me in science class. I know you left science class. <laughs> interesting. You were like nervously walking over to the library. Um, 
I had a presenter and her name was Gabby and she came and I remember she was showing us pictures of the students going to Disneyland and oh, wow. went on a boat yeah. and they were, um, she showed us like a lot of the field trips. She talked about MSUB too, but I was like, wow, they went to Disneyland. Yeah. Um, so that was really caught me. I was mm-hmm. like, I want to go on field trips. And she said for free. So I was like, wow. I want to do that. Um, and I, um, I asked her for the flyer. I asked her for the application. And I remember I was the only one in the whole class that asked her for the application. So oh. I but I was okay with it because yeah. I wanted to go to free field trips at that time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so at the, at the time it was, they hooked you with the free trips, uh, enticing you to it. And yeah, that, that's amazing. And it got you into the trio path. That's, that's awesome. So uh, we are going to take a quick uh, two minute break and we'll be back with more with Kimberly Gomez. Two, one. And we are back with Kimberly Gomez. She is a graduate of a TRIO Upward Bound Math Science program. And she is talking to us about her experience with TRIO UBMS. And uh, yeah, so Kimberly, talk to us a little bit more about that. Yes, thank you, Juan. I wanted to elaborate on my experience with MSUB because I felt like it was so valuable in my life that it made me feel like I belonged in higher education, especially because we were from Pasadena City College. So every summer we would take classes um, at PCC and we would do a lot of activities within that campus. So, and this was all thanks to um, the director Juan Pablo Carreon at the time. He was very, um, I wanna say he was just, very influential with the program because he reminded me a lot of my fifth grade teacher, Mr. Estramera, who he spoke to every individual and remembered little things about everyone. So it didn't feel like, oh, I'm just one of the 60. I felt like, okay, this is Kim. He knows Kim. He knows who I am. Yeah. And something that I really liked about the Upper Bound program was that 
um, the director, Juan Pablo, would connect with, I think it's called Outward Bound Programs, and mm -hmm. they would take us camping. So we went camping to Mammoth, and that was my first time hiking. That was my first time um, leaving, like, so far away, sleeping mm -hmm. in a tent. So a lot of my experiences, um, even down to, like, the field trips that enticed me at the beginning, like, I went, that was the first time I went to museums. Um, that was the first time I visited a college campus. So if it wasn't for MSUB, I wouldn't have been able to step foot at UCR or go to the Getty Museum or even go camping. So I felt like apart from all the college access that they gave us and all the preparation from ACT to SAT prep, um, I was also exposed to our environment. Even um, we would go to the Geffen Playhouse at UCLA. And that was even my, my first time, I want to say, interacting with different races. Um, because in the city of El Monte, it's 60 to 70 percent Latinx population. Mm. And then I want to say the rest is Asian population. So I oh. never really interacted with different cultures, different ethnicities, different races, if it wasn't for MSUB. Mm -hmm. So when I first started um, at my community college, which was PCC, I ended up staying there. Mm. Um, I wasn't so culture shocked because I had already been exposed early on. Right on. And you really gave a lot of good context to your program because, um, you know, a lot of traditional upper bound programs that are classic that don't have the, the math science component to it. Uh, I feel like with math science upper bound programs, they're very much focused on research and, mm -hmm. and college and, and what does it mean to be in STEM that they have that very laser focus um yes for you did, did any of the stem fields start uh kind of uh popping out to you or started uh being appealing to you yeah so um I first I remember joining the program and I thought we had to do math and I, mm. I remember mentioning earlier in the podcast I I did not do good at math I was um <laughs> so I did actually um, start thinking about being a physical therapist. Um, it's not exactly STEM, but it was kind of like health sciences. Yeah. Uh, and I took, I remember we took a forensics class um, in one of, one of the summers. So that kind of exposed me to forensics. I was thinking about maybe I want to do that. Um, we also did a lot of robotics every summer. We did a lot. We worked a lot with creating robots with all that technology. Um, but it didn't really interest me as much. So I think that's why um, I went more towards like the physical therapist route, because I thought if I'm not like that good at math and science, even though it's MSO, um, I might be better at the health sciences. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll talk more about major changes. Absolutely. So at this point in, in high school, you're looking, uh, you're about to graduate. Um, you, did you make a college decision? Like you already knew like your top college, what you were, where you wanted to go. Uh, did you ultimately choose a college and why did you choose that particular college to go to? Yeah, of course. I, um, I ended up applying to eight schools, four UCs, four CSUs, and 
um, one of the top colleges and I remember um, I accepted and I did a school tour with my dad. Um, we, we were thinking about Cal State Channel Islands. I was really thinking about that. Um, however, and I don't mind like speaking about this, um, I ended up getting um, sick with, it's called chronic UC, like chronic ulcerative colitis. Mm-hmm. So it's like a stomach and, and bowel disease, I think, something like that. I'm still not 100% sure on it. Um, but I ended up my senior year having to go to the hospital hospital about 30 times. So I missed so much school, so much homework. Um, and I still wasn't 100% myself because it's not curable. Mm. So my family and I decided that Pasadena City College was better because mm-hmm. it was closer. It was only 20, 30 minutes and Cal State Channel Islands was over an hour away and I would have to dorm. Um, yeah. So that was um, my mindset at first. I was going to go there. Um, and then towards the end, we just, my family and I decided not to. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, with the, uh, with, with college, it comes with its own separate t- set of challenges and experiences what did you enjoy about college and what were some of the successes and obstacles that you faced? Yeah. Like I mentioned, I ended up going to Pasadena city college and the experiences that I loved and I really enjoyed um, were being a part of the pathways first year experience program, the EOPNS program and the trio student support services program. Mm-hmm. It's also known as PASS at um, PCC. And those three programs really highlighted my college experience because I felt like it was um, high school all over again. Like with SSS, we still had we still had like those cultural field trips, we mm-hmm. did, um, college tours. They offered us free snacks and book vouchers and tutors and our own counselors. So I felt like they really prepared me to transfer out. But not mm-hmm. only that, they they made me feel like I had my trio family still. Um, wow. I, I had all new, you know, all new, like a new director. Her name was Maggie. Um, and then I and I thought that was awesome in itself, seeing a woman as a director, because I had always seen Juan and I was like, oh, yeah. like, I, I don't know, like high school mindset. I thought, oh, it was only men. Um, so seeing right. Maggie was awesome. And also, I met so many new students that had the same mindset. Even in high school, you know, they always thought college, college. Mm-hmm. So here, all of us at SSS, we were still thinking about that. Um, and we were helping each other out. So um, additionally, with the EOPNS program, it was a little bit different. But um, we had Tuesday lunches. We called Tuesday support group. So I thought that was really great because I was able to speak to different students from all ethnicities, from all ages, um, different majors. Mm-hmm. And we would just come and talk about how we were feeling. Like if I was feeling overwhelmed that day, I felt like I also had that EOP family that I could tell them I'm feeling overwhelmed. Like, what should we do? And we would talk. And again, every Tuesday I had free lunch because of that. So coming in as a low-income student to a community college, 
-hmm. having free food was so amazing. Um, especially because, um, I didn't drive at the time and my parents worked. So I had to be dropped off at school at 8am and I would be picked up until 10pm. Um, and that was about two to three times a week. So having to, um, I couldn't pack three lunches. So yeah. So having free lunch on Tuesdays, having free snacks with SSS, um, and even having access to our food pantry is something that really helped me out and something that I really enjoyed at PCC. That's awesome. Um, I know you mentioned challenges. Sorry. Um, yeah, go I, for it. Yeah. I didn't speak about challenges, but um, food, of course, like food was a challenge. Um, I think transportation was a challenge as well because my parents did not trust me taking a bus. Um, they just didn't want me to take a bus alone. So transportation and food, that was challenging. And I would say also something that was challenging is in the community college life. A lot of it is like, go, 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 take Mm -hmm. a class, go home, like take a class, wait in the car. So it was really challenging to find friends that Mm -hmm. were in my major because so many students did not want to talk to you. They didn't want to have lunch with you. They wanted to take class and leave. So, and I was there all day. So I felt really lonely that I had to eat by myself sometimes. I had to study alone a lot of the times. Um, And I'm a social person, person, as I mentioned. So sometimes I I just wanted to say, hey, do you want to have lunch with me to a complete stranger? But I was kind of nervous. So that was a challenge too. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for opening up with that experience and uh, kind of giving us a glimpse into your life uh, and what it was to be a college student uh, while you were in college, right? Because I think sometimes uh, students that are either listening or even staff that are currently listening, we like to kind of hear about what, so what was your experience? What, what uh, kept you motivated and going in day to day, which kind of segues into the next question uh, perfectly. Uh, what fields of study were you considering at this point? Yeah. Um, I entered originally as a kinesiology major because I wanted to be a physical therapist. Mm -hmm. Um, I took one kinesiology class and then I didn't like it. So I ended up changing to communications. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, I don't, I still to this day don't even really know what communications is. I just thought I like to talk. So communicating maybe. (laughs) And then... (laughs) I ended up, okay, that is not the, like, I know, I remember my counselor um, with Trio was like, do you know what that is? Do you, and I was like, no. (laughs) um, Yeah. I I mean, yeah. yeah. yeah, Um, I was just going to say, like, for first generation students, right, when we hear communications, we try to put, like, two and two together, like, going, yeah, it sounds like speaking. It sounds like social. It sounds, you're right. Um, so for first generation students that are going into college, this is what we think about. And, and it has to like, right. Like you were pointing earlier, like it takes a counselor and advisor to kind of talk you through it and say, this is what it entails. So sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I wanted to give you that space to. No, no. Thank you for, for mentioning that. Yeah. I, I, I know like I was first generation, but I came into college thinking like, I went to MSUB, like I've been going to PCC for four summers, yeah. but we never really 
like explained every single major, you know, no one's going to sit down and explain 30 different majors to you. Right. Unless you ask them to, I'm sure they would. Right. So, um, speaking to, to one of my counselors, um, I was, I ended up telling, um, asking the counselor, what can I do to be you? And then the counselor, um, was like surprised. You're like, you want to like do what I do? And I was like, yeah. Um, what, what can I do to be you? And, um, I remember the counselor explaining to me that like their major and, um, like how they got their bachelor's, how they got um, their master's and so forth. And then I remembered the director of the MSA program, Juan Pablo, ended up um, like leaving his director position because he got offered a counseling job at PCC in the EOPNS program. So I was like, I'm going to go to him too. So I asked Juan, um, Juan Pablo, I was like, what, like, what can I do to be you? I was asking all the different counselors of all the programs I, I was in. Um, yeah. And he, like, we spoke, I spoke to everyone and I decided I'm going to be a psychology major because I want to be a community college counselor because all these counselors helped me so much and I want to be like them. Yeah. And that's how I ended up um, with psych as a major. Wow. That's, that's amazing. So you just asked questions and started kind of figuring out like what path you needed to take to get into the field that you wanted to study. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. So why did uh, kind of a redundant question, or maybe it's not a redundant question. So what drew you to psychology? What, what was it exactly that started speaking to you about it? Did you like psychology? Yeah, no, and not redundant at all, actually, because I was debating between sociology and psychology um, again, being first gen, I didn't really know the difference. So my counselor recommended me to take one sociology class and one psychology class. I ended up really liking the psychology class because we were speaking about the brain and we were, they were talking to us about, um, all these different aspects of the brain. And we talked about autism and mental disorders, mental illnesses. And I thought to myself, if I'm going to work with students, I want to be equitable and work with all students, like students with mental illnesses, students with depression, students with autism. Like I know I'm going to work with these many students. So that's what drew me to psychology because I thought maybe in sociology, I'll, I'll learn, like I'll learn, but I won't learn deeply enough to help all the students. Um, so that's what led me to psych. Right. Right on. Um, when you chose psychology, and again, this kind of is going to sound redundant because we already know why you were motivated to go to psychology, but did, were you aware of the multiple career options that were going to be presented to you when you, when you pursued psychology? No, I was not. Um, when I transferred, um, I transferred out to Cal State University Northridge. Again, I applied, I did the whole, like, Again, I applied the big old packet, the social security number, the taxes, the interview, um, and I got into the TRIO SSS program at CSUN. And I remember um, asking, like telling them that I'm a psych major and my advisor, Daniela, um, at the time, she was like talking to me about, oh, what do you want to do career-wise? And I thought, yeah, like be a, a, a counselor. And she was like, oh, you didn't want to be a therapist? And I was like, 
I never thought about that. Like, yeah. what, what can you do? Yeah. And now that I was taking like higher level courses, they were talking about clinical psychology and they were talking about neuropsychology. Wow. They were like, you have to do like, you have to do field work hours. You have to do um, data and you have to like, connect with the professor and do research. And I was like, why do I have to do research? Like, why is everyone <laughs> talking about research? Yes. So um, until I transferred, I realized that there were so many, um, like psychology was the umbrella. And then there were just so many careers that went with psychology. Um, and I remember in my, I think it was my level 400 class, which is you have to take one level 400 class at Northridge to graduate. Mm -hmm. um, she, she asked by a raise of hands, like, who's doing clinical? Who's doing this and that? And she's like, what are you doing, Kim? And I was like, I'm going to be a college counselor. <laughs> and that was the only thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, yeah, yeah, like career-wise, it was a little bit different. But I'm sure they that they said, yeah, definitely you can do that with uh, being yeah. a college counselor. That's awesome. Um, so around this time, you've already experienced college. You've gone through college. You've done the thing. Graduation is typically a time for celebration. Talk to us about your graduation. What do you remember about it? And uh, what sticks out in your memory? Oh, no. So um, I'm class of 2020. So we were virtual. Um, they canceled all graduation, so it was virtual. Um, it, my um, trio SSS graduation was really memorable because we had a dance party on camera and mm. my whole family was able to be there. My mom put like all my, my graduation pictures and flowers and like, like she decorated the whole living room. So I thought that was really nice that she tried her best to still make me feel special. Yeah. And um, vir virtually, I didn't attend the virtual ceremony. Honestly, it was because I forgot. Um, oh, no. I, just, <laughs> I forgot and it passed. Yeah. And I did attend Michelle Obama's um, virtual ceremony. Well, like it was on the TV. So I just turned on the TV and I was like listening. So that was yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, but something really special that my boyfriend organized and it was just super, super nice was a surprise drive by graduation. Oh, um, that's nice. So it was super nice to see. Um, I think over like 20 cars showed up and I had like, I want to see like 30 balloons and like a dozens and dozens of flowers and gifts. Um, so that was just really nice to see that my family and his family, which I consider my family now too, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, still wanted to see me happy, still wanted to see me um, in my sash. I actually never wore a cap and gown because I just never got it. I thought, what's the point? Mm, um, I don't mm. have graduation pictures in my cap and gown. Um, but one day, one day yeah. I will get a cap and gown and I'll take some pictures. Definitely. Definitely. So this is actually a, a wonderful segue into this next question about uh, you pursuing a master's degree. Talk to us about that. And why did you decide to pursue a master's uh, program? Yeah, I decided because my community college counselors told me since like my second year at PCC that I needed a master's to be a, a college counselor. So I knew that I had to apply for, for master's programs. And I remember 
I was, um, it's called a jam leader at PCC, like an orientation leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the success coaches there were in master's programs. So again, I asked them, how did you get into USC? How did you get into Cal State Long Beach? What are the steps? Here's my email. Can you email me? So I did a lot of advocating for myself in um, reaching out to individuals that were in master's programs. And I ended up only applying to USC and APU. Um, And both of them were for the college counseling, educational counseling programs. And um, the TRIO SSS um, advisors and the director, the director is called um, Frank, and then it's Vanessa and Daniela. Each of them helped me in some way or form because I knew that I couldn't do it alone, especially writing the personal statement and editing a resume. That was really intimidating. Um, But I ended up successfully applying for for the programs um, because like going back to like the original question, because um, the community college counselors told me I needed to have a master's. Wow. So that is, uh, right. Like having that journey kind of almost come full circle for you. That's, that's amazing. Um, so what are you enjoying about graduate school now? Uh, I know you're currently going and you're doing, getting that experience in. What do you like about it uh, so far? And yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, I think what I really like is learning from diverse professors, um, I don't want to speak badly about CSUN, but most of my professors at CSUN in psychology were older white men. So being at USC and seeing like an Asian professor, a professor from Indian descent, a professor from Latinx descent. So I thought it was really great seeing their point of views, which were very different, um, seeing their different teaching styles, Um, and just learning from different people of color and people that understood the challenges. And even most of them are first-generation students. So I thought that was awesome, just learning from the professors at USC. Right on. Are are there any current challenges or any successes that you want to share with the audience? I think the challenge right now is, and the challenge for most people, is being virtual. Um, sometimes like at at one point I lived with 10 people in a household. So that was a lot of Wi-Fi. So my first semester at USC was really difficult because sometimes I couldn't hear the entire lecture because it kept saying like low internet connection. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. and then also sometimes if, Like, I think just sometimes those distractions, like my bed is right there. Should I do class for my bed? Sometimes I wanted to. So I think the motivation um, has just been pretty low because we've been at home for so, so long and we're still going to be at home. Sometimes I'm like, whatever, I'm tired. I'm going to have class from bed when I know I shouldn't because then you get comfortable and then we might just not fully listen. That's true. That's very, very true. So now kind of segueing into this next question about uh, you and your position. So you're a first year persistent specialist at CalSOAP. Talk to us about that. What, what does that position entail and what is it all about? 
Yeah, so it's actually a new position. Um, we just, um, so Council Ballet, it, it stems from the California Student Aid Commission, CSAC, um, and they're the ones that present the Cal Grant to a lot of students. So with this position, what CSAC really wants us to highlight mainly is financial aid. Did you submit your FAFSA? Did you submit your California Dream Act? That's what we, we focus on a lot with this program is financial aid workshops, financial aid webinars, financial aid presentations. Um, but aside from that, we do provide academic advising, um, social and emotional support. We do a lot of connections to resources. And this is because with the First Year Persistence Specialist Program, we accept all students. We accept undocumented students, part-time students, full-time students. There's no criteria. Just fill out our application and you're in. Yeah. So we connect them to different resources from different campuses. So if someone's from Humboldt and they're trying to contact the financial aid office, but they don't know how to write a professional email, then they can ask me and we can meet through Zoom and we'll make that email together. Right. So I kind of help them like start like with that email. I'm not always going to help them write those emails, but right. I'll, I'll show them how. So now they're prepared. So right that's on. pretty, that's pretty much what, what our program focuses on is how to um, properly send emails, how to contact certain resources, how to fill out um, financial aid. And what I like most about is the students have someone to talk to whether, um, and I'm, I'm not like, just email me. I have my Google number. So text me if you feel comfortable texting. Um, so we, we really try to get in with this new digital age. Like if you want to send me a DM on Instagram, send it. Um, if you mm -hmm. want to text me, text me. You don't always have to email. And I feel like that's really helped too. That's amazing. That's awesome. How long have you been at this position and what do you enjoy most about it? Yeah. Um, so I was previously a student success coach. So I worked with high school students for two years and then um, I got promoted um, this year. So this is my first year. Um, I'm about to um, complete my first year in June with this position. So mm -hmm. hopefully go on to work my second year. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, as you reflect on your career, what stands out most about your time in TRIO and in college? Yeah, um, I think what stands out more in TRIO would be the connections I made with the mentors. And that has become a resource in its own because a lot of these mentors are the directors of the programs, are the advisors of the programs, and each program has asked me to come back and speak as a panel, like in a panel. So I thought just making those connections and the fact that they still remember me, um, like for example, with the Math and Science Upward Bound program, they remembered me like two years later and they asked me to represent 
represent them in Washington, D.C. at Capitol Hill to tell oh, my amazing. real story. Yeah. So I thought that was awesome. I was like, like, that was, I was like, I just graduated from a program two years ago and you like, you're still thinking of me. Um, and then flashback five years later, I like the director and the advisors still talk to me, whether it's through email, whether it's through Instagram. Um, so I think making those connections with my mentors really, really helped out because now that I've graduated and I move forward, I feel like they're lifelong friends. Absolutely. That's awesome. So looking back at your career, looking back at, at your time with Upward Bound, Math Science, and everything that's happened so far, is there anything you wish you could do differently or anything you could want to change? Mm, I don't think so. I, I think every experience that I had whether I made a mistake, whether um, there was like a bump in the road, I think I learned from it and I grew from it. And now I know um, what to do and what not to do. Um, I, I forgot to like mention, I think you asked me about challenges in college and I yeah. did not um, talk about that. But I did want to talk a little bit about the challenges in college being a first generation low income student. Um, even transferring, I did not, um, I wasn't fully knowledgeable about loans, even though I had all the resources. Sometimes I just didn't ask. So I had to drive 90 miles to get to CSUN and drive 90 miles back. Wow. So because I couldn't afford dorming and I never took out a loan, I had to commute two times a week. And again, I had to get there at 8 a.m. and had to leave at 8 p.m. So I think with being a first-generation student and also a woman and a student of color um, mm -hmm. on, on a higher education campus, that's always going to be a challenge in its own. Um, but something that I realized until I got accepted into the master's program and, and um, I started seeing like, yeah, I am smart. Yeah, I do belong here. Mm. Is that everyone, like I got accepted because of like my own like brilliance, because of my application, because of the things that I've done. So I know it can feel challenging um, being on a campus, but I think at the end of the day, if we realize that we do belong there, it'll help us move forward. Absolutely. That's some great sage wisdom that you're sharing with us. And now I'm going to borrow some more sage <laughs> wisdom because I'm going to tell you for the students that are listening, for the trio students that are listening to this podcast or any student potentially, what is some advice that you want to share with them or something that you want to let them know? Yeah. Keep in touch with your mentors, keep in touch with the directors, with the advisors, counselors, if you have any, or RAs, if that, if they, if there are RAs in all the program, trio programs, because all those individuals were once in your shoes. Most of the trio directors, advisors, staff were in trio programs, um, or they have a passion for helping students like yourself. So at the end of the day, these mentors are always going to serve as a resource for you. Um, if you want, if you're in community college right now, if you're first year in college right now, and you need letters of recommendation for your master's program, who knows you better than your trio advisor? 
who's been there with you throughout high school or who's been there with you in your college career. So make sure that you keep in contact with all of your trio family too, because like those, like those best friends you meet, one is going to be a doctor one day, one is going to be a college counselor one day, like one is, right. you know, one's like, one's going to be an engineer and so forth. So your network is so amazing and so full of possibilities that if you utilize it correctly and properly, you're always going to have friends that are going to be there for you. And remember to mention trio. I wear my trio gear and people at the gym have even walked up to me and be like, Hey, I'm a trio alum. And I'm like, cool. Like, yeah. so just make, um, just make sure to be aware. Trio is everywhere in the U S so you're always going to have that trio family wherever you go. You just got to look for it. Absolutely. So now that you're, that you've given back, right. You're, you're in this position where you're helping first year students doing that transition. Um, now I'm going to kind of turn the tables on you a little bit and say, so if we have staff members listening right now to the podcast or trio staff members, what is something that you want to share with them or advice that you want to share with them uh, now that you've been right a couple of years working for uh, CalSOAP? Um, something I would like to tell them is that they're in a very, very powerful position and in a very influential position. If you tell a student that they're going to succeed, I feel like nine out of 10 times, they're going to believe that you're going to succeed. So if you're not expressing, like verbally expressing or in any actions expressing that you believe every single student in the program is going to do something, then that student is not going to know it, especially coming from these backgrounds that we come from. Some of the students seek that extra, um, that extra care, that extra love, that extra advice. So um, I think even if you see students that are a bit more introverted, um, make sure to still speak to them, still let them know that you are here. Even if they don't want it at the time, they're going to remember. Um, I still remember even up to my fifth grade teacher who told me I was awesome. So I think a lot of us remember those influential people. So just keep being influential and just know that all those students that you have, even though there's new students every single year, they all know you, they know your name, they know your position. So just make sure to um, do good with it and express to them how important they are in higher education. Right on. Very good advice. Thank you so much for that, Kimberly. Um, what about... Uh, kind of wrapping up on the podcast now what do you see yourself doing from years five years from now five years from now I really really hope that I'll be a counselor at a community college um any community college really I just also hope to be a counselor for potentially a trio program at a community college some community colleges like Pasadena City College have um, student support services. So five years from now, I'm graduating next year. If anyone's listening, um, I really hope to be a, a community college counselor, especially in a trio program. That's amazing. And I'm sure you're going to get there. You're definitely going to get there. Are there any individuals uh, that you want to recognize on the podcast to give them a shout out? Yes. Um, sorry, this is going to be a long list. Go for um, it. 
I do want to um, recognize the three trio directors that I had, Juan Pablo Carreon, Maggie, and Frank, uh, Mr. Frank. Um, all three of them were really, really amazing. And each, of, each one of them helped me in my own individual way. Um, also, Gabby Rayo, who helped me get into MSUB originally. If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be who I am today. Um, and my TRIO SSS um, advisors, Daniela, um, I'm sorry, Daniela and Vanessa, um, they helped me get into the master's program. So um, again, for all of these like TRIO individuals, TRIO staff members, I wouldn't be the student that I am today. Um, and then lastly, my family, my mom, dad, and my brother, Brian, who supported me from driving me everywhere to staying up at the kitchen table with me, even though they couldn't help me with homework. They stayed up until 10, 11 p.m. Um, just so we could be awake together. Um, yeah. And then lastly, my boyfriend, Jose, for providing me with a home um, and providing me with love and care so I can successfully finish this master's program. That's amazing. Good, wonderful shout out there, Kimberly. I want to just say uh, thank you again so much for being for agreeing to be on the podcast. Uh, I know you're a super busy professional and you have a busy personal life. So we thank you so much for your time. And it's a huge honor to interview you. Thank you so much, um, Juan. Thank you for having me here. I loved hearing your story and I love that I got an opportunity to say mine. Absolutely. Would you do this, uh, the honor in signing off? Yes, of course. Hi, everyone. This is Kimberly Gomez, and I'm a first-year persistent specialist at Calso Ballet. I earned a bachelor's in psychology from Cal State University, Northridge, and I am pursuing a master's of education in educational counseling at USC. I'm an alum of the TRIO Math and Science Separate Bond Program, TRIO Student Support Services Program at Pasadena City College, and TRIO Student Support Services Program at Cal State University, Northridge. And I'm here to say that TRIO does work. Awesome. Kimberly, thank you so much for your time. It was wonderful uh, having this interview with you. Thank you. Are you a participant, alum, or staff of a TRIO program? Do you want your program highlighted? You or your program could be featured in an upcoming episode of Let's Talk Trio. Get a hold of us by going to our Facebook page or Instagram and send us a direct message. Search for Let's Talk Trio. We want to get your story to the public. What a great episode with Kimberly Gomez, Trio alum of the Upper Ground Math Science at Pasadena City College. Kimberly, thank you so much for being on the podcast. We appreciate you sharing your story on Let's Talk Trio. Remember, you too can be on the podcast. Send us a message at Let's Talk Trio, L-E-T-S-T-A-L-K-T-R-I-O at gmail.com or direct messages on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Again, a huge thanks to our sponsors, Angelica Villalpando, Rosario O'Reilly, and Student Access. Thank you all so much for continuing to support the podcast. You can also support the podcast. Head on over to Patreon. Search for Let's Talk Trio. Our entry patron level starts at a dollar a month. A dollar a month goes a long way in supporting this podcast. Each tier has different perks. So at a dollar a month for our $1 members, you get a shout out on the podcast as a sponsor of the Let's Talk Trio podcast. 
We also have corporate sponsorships available. If you own a business, you can advertise on this podcast. Contact us for details. I want to recognize and thank the honorary members of Let's Talk Trio, Tony Ho, Scott Kendall, and Roderick Chambers. The Let's Talk Trio podcast team is John Russell, music producer, editor, and tech advisor. Amelia Castañeda, script supervisor, marketing manager, social media manager, and producer. Juan Rivas, executive producer and host. We thank you all so much for continuing to support the Let's Talk Trio podcast. We appreciate all the love and support you all are giving us on our social media sites, uh, giving us the wonderful compliments. Uh, We are so grateful and we love, we love, love, love what we're doing here on the Let's Talk Trio podcast. Uh, So again, please consider uh, sponsoring us on Patreon. Thank you all so much and we will catch you on the next episode.